Out of the gates and onto the court, or onto the tunnel, out of the tunnel, onto the floor, whatever it is. Pick your analogy. It's the second hour of Sports Talk, and I'm Scott Beatty along with Evan Kahn. Coming up, a couple of guests here this hour. Coach Q&A, Nick Portaro, will review some of the games that are preview coming to the some of the final week and games. This would be week 13, game 12 for everybody. Remember, the season started with week zero. So this is the 13th week. Evan. Speaking speaking of zero, by the way, and, and thank you, and I, I know you were directly referencing my disdain for, for the week zero because mm-hmm. zero is nothing. And we kind of got into this on the postgame show on Friday, but a, as millennials slash Gen Zers, Joey and I didn't have the answer. There was a player for Illinois basketball during your time in school, I think he was a senior when you were a freshman, who wore the number double zero. But we couldn't pronounce his last name. Victor Chukadebe. There it is. Yeah, Chukadebe. I believe. I, as I recall, I'm not looking at his name, but Victor Chukadebe. That, that's kind of the the pronouncers that we got. We got yeah. a couple three different ones, but I, I wasn't. Completely I don't think you can sure. do double zero anymore. I think there's only zero. It's only zero. Yeah. Okay. I think. And, and frankly, that that's enough. If you're mm-hmm. there's no there's no reason to be a double yeah. zero. Too many hands. It's just, you know, you can't do double one. That's just 11. Mm-hmm. So why do you need to double zero? Yeah, double nothing. Extra nothing. Yeah. So No hey. no disrespect <laughs> to Victor. You know. It is unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome in. Yeah, Coach Q coming up. And then Shauna Green, women's head coach for Illinois. They're 5-0. and They haven't been that since 2014. We're going to get her thoughts as they get ready to head to Florida. Uh, yours truly going to be down there this weekend as well, uh, calling in on that. Uh, a little bit sparser on the media availability this week for football, given some of the circumstances with Brett Bielma and it being Thanksgiving week. He did meet with us today and gave us some thoughts on the stakes and the context for Illinois and Northwestern this Saturday. You know, when I got here, there were some things that were said uh, from our end, right, from the Illinois end that... Uh, to me, we're a little bit out of balance for someone that has lost uh, six in a row to him, you know. So really talked about respect. Um, I showed that, you know, Wisconsin and Northwestern, when I got here at that time, they had won, you know, um, I believe it was three of the or five, uh, the last five, three and two, those two teams had won them. So a lot about respect. Um, uh, and then the game itself, we played very well. Uh, obviously, I think they functioned well. Um, at the end of the year, we're playing good, and that's my challenge to them this week. You know, they're a uh, Northwestern, obviously, it's a 1-10 football team that has played really good. I think if you ask uh, Ohio State and Purdue, uh, two of their last three opponents, you know how good they are. I think they'd have an answer for you that uh, they come to play every day. They're extremely tough. They're physical. They're well coached. Um, uh, they were in a championship game two years ago. It's not like I forgot how to how to win games over there. Yeah, it is. Uh, Robert Rosenthal, our guest last hour, noted this has some of the classic hallmarks of a uh, you know they're they got nothing to lose pull out all the stops kind of stuff, while Illinois may still be in hangover mode from a frustrating and disappointing but gave it our all kind of ball game against a top three team. And 
if uh, unless Nebraska upsets Iowa on Friday, you're out of the Big Ten West title race. I'm not saying that Illinois' mentality will be one way or the other. I'm just saying it has the potential. It for could a trap. It, it could. I, I just I can't uh, imagine, and I kind of hope that that it's been driven home that you don't want to end this season on a four game losing streak. Uh, that just erases everything that you've done because that's going to put you in one of the lower tier Big Ten bowls. And if you lose this game, how much motivation do you have for that game? So I, I hope they're they're getting up and they're getting ready because eight and four and uh, a top five bowl game looks way better than seven and five. And geez, who knows where you go? I'm not saying they don't have reason to get up for mm-hmm. it. I'm saying it just seems like there could be some traps. There could be. And I'll, Emotionally. I'll be, I'll be interested to uh, hear what Coach Q has to say on, on where things that have gone wrong for Northwestern this year because they have hung tough with a, a, a couple of teams, but it's really been just a, a lot of blowouts. And this is back-to-back years that Northwestern is down, which isn't usually how it goes. Usually they bounce back a, after a bad year. So I, I don't know exactly what's going wrong there. As far as it sounds, everybody that, that should be healthy – for the game Saturday, or everybody that you want to be healthy will be there. So, um, give me give me a, an Illinois dub to finish the season. Want to step aside from sports for just one moment and give you a breaking news item that you can read more about right now at newsgazette.com. There's been an arrest made in connection with the Urbana school threats that have been going on and have uh, caused school to become e-learning and and uh, also be canceled at times there in Urbana. So there's more information. A 16-year-old arrested in Chicago in connection with the threats made to Urbana schools in recent weeks. There's more at newsgazette.com right now on that. I know that's been a big item of discussion and obviously has impacted a lot of people and all that. Uh Michigan and Ohio State, speaking of a lot and yet at the same time maybe not so much to play for. The playoff predictors both have them going in fairly favorably with a loss mm-hmm. against each other. All that to say, if those both two teams do indeed both go to the college football playoff, that also helps Illinois' chances for a higher bowl because they'll suck up two of those spaces and then you're left with I don't know, Penn State and maybe in Iowa or and, and and then in Illinois. So there's there is reason to believe that like a citrus bowl is still in play for Illinois. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's no reason not to and yeah, now you're kind of rooting for Michigan after always rooting a, a, against them, but with Tennessee's loss, uh it, it probably would take a, a really poor showing next week uh, against Ohio State and then LSU somehow beating Georgia in the SEC championship game for for someone to to leapfrog over those teams. So both of them are are, are sitting good and, and you know that Ohio State's got a little extra extra addedness to it after losing last year for the first time in a long time and missing out on the college football playoffs. So, yeah, the, it doesn't really matter how that thing shakes out other than you, you want Michigan to, to stay in contention for that college football playoff. i curious Coach Q's thoughts on, on that game when we talk to him next, but just, I mean, how do you, how do you think that game's going to go? I think other than Ohio State gets a home game. Mm-hmm. So check mark there but I, I do think it's the Buckeyes to win 
I just I think they're probably better, but there's a little more question mark around their defense. Yeah, I haven't looked in. I don't know. They're probably not saying what Blake Corum's status is. I think that well, he was delivering turkeys this week. He was. Yeah. Didn't look like that was. He, he was getting hit by three hundred pound guys and <laughs> yeah, pads while running the <laughs> full speed the opposite direction. So a, a little less strenuous uh, passing out those turkeys. But we saw in the second half how much Michigan relies on him. So if they don't have Blake Corum, I don't see how Michigan is really going to be able to score and then we might get a, a good old 13 to 10 Big Ten battle there as you get a, an offensive struggle because Michigan's still got a, a pretty good defense but I imagine that Ohio State will find a way to, to score some points yeah I, I, I think you're right that's kind of how I feel about but it but if Blake Corum plays all, all, all bets are off mm-hmm. uh, what else going on today a lot of college basketball during the day we talked about it at the end of last hour louisville oh and five and there's some historic badness going on for a power program with how they are playing they have i think more than two turnovers to assist Oof. to more of a, a two to one turnover to assist ratio mm-hmm. not assist to turnovers two to one the other way turnovers to assist or, or one to two however you want to look at it my how they fall and, and they fall quite well, i hate to see it I I don't know. I I have nothing uh, against Louisville. I I think Rick Pitino probably was one of the best coaches of all time. And off the field stuff, you know, it happens everywhere. Uh, You know, what what they did. I I don't know how different it is than what happens at a a lot of other institutes. You know, go look up the video. Some agree. Go look at the video of Shaq telling uh, about his trip to Illinois and how he wouldn't tell them exactly what went on. You know, things happen in college sports all the time but penalties not getting a good coach really losing that luster and you you go from uh ncaa championship or a, a final four what that's only been five six seven years ago and, and now you're you're losing to mid-majors and, and going winless through november that's a that's a, a tough uphill sled there but they, they've got a lot of tradition uh, Auburn just got going in Cancun. They're leading Bradley 20-9. to And you got Creighton in Arkansas tonight. you got San Diego State and Arizona. You also have Andre Carbello playing Syracuse in, in that ballgame in some college basketball action. Tomorrow, Illinois Volleyball. They will be playing Indiana. It's a 4 p.m. first serve here on our airwaves, so that means it's our last full show of the week. Uh, Thursday, no show, uh, and the the Illini guys will have you. And then uh, Friday, we've got a very brief show, and then Illinois women's hoops, volleyball, and basketball Thanksgiving feast. Nick Quartaro is joining us next for Coach Q&A right after this. Hey, Illini family, it's Brad Underwood. We'll see you Friday at the State Farm Center and catch it here on DWS. You've got Sports Talk with Evan Kahn. I'm Scott Beatty on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. And normally on Thursdays, it's Coach Q&A with Nick Quartaro, but it's on a Tuesday today because this is our only show this week. Did not want to miss our opportunity to get the thoughts of Coach Q. And happy Thanksgiving week to you, Q, and, and hope you are doing well. And, well, it was an entertaining weekend of football, even though it didn't go the Illini's way. Well, happy Thanksgiving to uh, you, Scott and Evan. And uh, yeah, it feels like a Thursday because we're doing our little uh, our little deal here. 
but uh, it's only Tuesday, so we got a little more of a wait until things uh, happen this week. But yeah, it was uh, it was an eventful week last week. A lot of meaningful games that we talked about, and uh, now we're in a position to have just a tiny bit more clarity as we head into this weekend. So, uh, where would you like to start? Well, I I I've, I actually think it's more interesting to start with the other games that may help Illinois if they go the right way. One of those being Friday, Illinois really needs Nebraska to beat Iowa. They also need uh, Purdue to lose to Indiana, and of course they have to beat Northwestern as well. So wondering if uh, we could start there, Coach. Yeah, of course. Uh, Certainly the Iowa-Nebraska game does come up first on the calendar. That'll be Friday afternoon in Iowa City, and You know, to me, and I'm sure to a lot of people, it's pretty amazing that after uh, Iowa was sitting at one and three in the conference five weeks ago, they've won four in a row and put themselves in this position. I think it's uh, a tribute to Kirk Ferentz, uh, despite obviously a way below par offense, uh, stellar defense, incredible special teams has put them on the doorstep of possibly winning the Big Ten West. So matching up with Nebraska, um, I think it's an interesting one in the sense that this will be Nebraska's final hurrah for uh, Mickey Joseph and that staff, which has really battled through a lot of adversity and done a nice job trying to keep the ship afloat. They're just not very good right now. Now what Nebraska does have is Casey Thompson is back in the lineup. He played last week against Wisconsin and as a dual threat guy, he gives Iowa certainly something to think about from the defensive side. I also think, and I've said this before on our show, that uh, Mark Whipple is an excellent play caller. Uh, he's a lot like Jeff Brom. He'll come up with some things this week that will try to find a little chink in the uh, Hawkeye defensive armor. And we saw some of that last week when Iowa beat Minnesota. Uh, I don't know if you got to see it. I know you were out in Vegas doing hoops and stuff. But uh, Mo Ibrahim rushed for 263 by himself against Iowa. And it wasn't so much that Iowa was, you know, uh, sleepwalking or anything like that. Uncharacteristically, Iowa's defense had some issues in terms of the safeties fitting in the front, making the proper uh, gap responsibility tackles and things of that nature. And Abraham popped out of there with several, several long gains. But it's still Iowa's defense that won the game. Jack Campbell, the great linebacker, caused a fumble. He had an interception late. Iowa gets the late field goal, and here we sit going into this game Friday. I really think uh, the Hawkeyes will win this game. You know, it's kind of a bold statement because they scare you every single week. But the fact that they've done it four times in a row, not terribly impressive on offense, but awfully good in the other two segments, if they just don't screw it up on offense, I think the Hawkeyes win this one. By the way, you mentioned Mo Ibrahim. Uh, he, along with Chase Brown for Illinois and Blake Corum for Michigan, named among the semifinalists for the Dope Walker Award today. We're talking with Coach Q, Nick Quartaro here on Sports Talk. Coach Q, this is Evan, and I've lost the, the stat, so I, I might be a little off on my numbers, but I believe on Saturday there were four Big Ten games where neither team scored 20 points. Now, does, does that, after watching the games, was it good defense or better offense? Well, I'll give you a third option. I think it was uh, the weather 
to a large degree, the cold, cold temperatures. And then you uh, pair that with tremendous wind chill factors, and that kept things toned down quite a bit. So uh, needless to say, the West, the West Division is not as explosive. They're not going to put up as many points as some of the teams in the East, and they play their own kind of Western Division style of ball. And that was the kind of weather we had last week. You know, you look at Purdue, they're running the ball more. Why? Because of the weather the last two weeks. Two weeks ago, you guys remember those gale winds whipping through the Midwest. And then last week, the cold temperatures and wind chills. So that's really played havoc with uh, teams that like to throw the ball around. And and you mentioned Purdue. uh, They're taking on Indiana this week, and they need – Illinois needs some help from Indiana in order to, to somewhere be involved in that Big Ten West championship. Is there? Do you see any way to Indiana knocking off Purdue? I think anything can happen in a rivalry game. I don't say that to be cliche, but I really believe it. And what makes me have a little bit of belief in this, I don't know if you guys saw it, maybe you did, um, Indiana's coach Tom Allen, who's a very emotional guy, he was like the late coach Jim Valvano in that famous post-game celebration when his uh, NC State Wolfpack won the NCAA title. He was buzzing around the field looking for people to hug when they came back from 17 down at the half to beat Michigan State in overtime last week. So Tom Allen will have his team ready to go. They've also made a change at quarterback. Uh, they've got a young man, uh, Dexter Williams, who's a redshirt sophomore, he made his first start last week against the Spartans after seeing a little bit of action the previous two weeks. Not so much throwing the ball very well, but he has rushed uh, you know, for 213 yards in three games. Now, that hasn't been Indiana's cup of tea, but I think what's happened there is Coach Allen, a defensive guy, I know he was kind of concerned, to say the least, about lack of possession time, lack of a run game. And I think they just decided, let's groom this young guy, and when he's ready, plug him in there. So Purdue will have a short week to get ready for what's essentially a new offensive attack led by uh, this young, talented Dexter Williams. He's not a great thrower. He's only 12 out of 37 passing in three games. But again, I also throw in the weather factor a little bit because nobody – has had great high percentage throwing the last couple of weeks. So I think Indiana's got a shot. The reason Purdue has a better shot is Indiana's defense has struggled for 11 games. Uh, Their numbers are just not very good. Purdue's defense has given up, or excuse me, Indiana's defense has given up 34 a game and 454 yards a game. Those are big numbers, man. So Purdue... They're packed, you know, with a lot of punch on offense. Indiana, not so much on their defensive side. I still think Purdue wins the game, but I do think Indiana will battle, battle hard, and uh, I won't be surprised to see this game go into the fourth quarter. I understand Michigan and Ohio State have a bit of rivalry around their game this Saturday. Uh, <laughs> and what I don't know if you heard us uh, before the break, Nick, but in a sense, there's everything and then not much at the same time to play for these two teams because they're both looking at potential playoff spots, win or lose. 
Yes, you know, for their sake, and we're all Big Ten guys, right? And for the Big Ten's sake, this has to be a heck of a game and a tight game, right? Somebody's going to come out of this undefeated and be crowned the Eastern Division champ. And whoever loses really has to make a, a case to be considered for those uh, top four, but it has to be a really, really competitive uh, ball game. So uh, what it can't be is like last year. So I'll kind of segue over that direction in the sense that Ohio State was really beat up in the trenches last year. Michigan just pounded them in the run game, if we all remember. And that led to Ohio State making a change with their defensive coordinator. Ohio State's been motivated since that last year. It's all they've talked about. It's been all over their building, in their weight room, you name it. It's been motivation ever since then. And since that Michigan game last year, Ohio State's won 12 in a row, including the Rose Bowl. So, I, you know, they've got a tremendous offense. Uh, C.J. Stroud, his numbers are ridiculous. 35 touchdown passes, just four interceptions. Marvin Harrison, possibly the best wide receiver in the country. Uh, you hear about injuries at Ohio State. Okay, they've got their top three running backs that have been in and out or out altogether. And here comes the guy, Dallas Hayden, last week who rushes for 160 or something against Maryland, a super talented guy. So uh, they're not losing any sleep over the fact that they've lost a couple running backs. The thing that uh, uh, is a little bit of a concern, uh, Ohio State did give up a bunch of yards last week to uh, Maryland. We know Maryland can be explosive, and that's really the, the issue here. Michigan is not as explosive as last year. They lost some really good receivers. And so far this year, if it's up to Jim Harbaugh, he'd love to play the game in a phone booth. We used to say that years ago. Pack everybody in tight, and let's just try to beat each other up and see who comes out on top. Hang on, there's if some people here Michigan, that don't know what a phone booth is. <laughs> <laughs> if, if Michigan can possess the ball, truly possess the ball and pound away, but put some points up after they've pounded away, They'd like to do that to keep it out of Ohio State's hands. Ohio State's extremely explosive. They can strike from long distance in the run and the pass game. And I think that's the biggest challenge that a very good Michigan defense has is that this offensive Ohio State will spread you sideline to sideline at times. They'll squeeze it down and bring in big personnel and try and run it effectively, which they've done. But they pose more threats offensively than Michigan has seen in terms of a complete offense. Michigan, I heard you guys talking, you know, what is Blake Coram's health, you know, delivering turkeys and all that, but what's he going to look like Saturday? My guess is he's going to play and he'll be okay. That's just my hunch. I think that'll happen. I think that they'd like to see that nice tight end back, Luke Schoonmaker, who's a heck of a player, and also, if Corm's dinged up just a little and needs relief, you know, Donovan Edwards, of course, didn't play last week against the Illini, and they need him. So I don't know what his status is. So there, there are some unknowns personnel-wise uh, for Michigan that could factor in. But when it comes right down to it, you know, they're in the horseshoe. Uh, it's, uh, I, I read this stat, and I thought it was tremendous. It's the first matchup since 2006 with both of these teams going into this game undefeated. So a little bit of history taking place. I, 
I'm going to give the nod to Ohio State just because of offensive superpower and the fact that I think Ohio State hired a D coordinator with one thing in mind, come in with a plan to slow down. You can't stop, but slow down Michigan so that our guys wearing Buckeye helmets can score more points. Well, the second biggest rivalry game this weekend is, of course, the battle for the <laughs> Land of Lincoln trophy between the Illini and Northwestern. What's gone wrong for Pat Fitzgerald's group this year after Northwestern's really kind of turned themselves into a program that Illinois wants to model themselves after? Why are they 1-10? Yeah, I think it's, it's pretty simple, and it's very painful. It's the fact that they've had a bunch of injuries and – you know, an academic school, the, the Dukes, the Northwestern, you know, Vanderbilt, Stanford, et cetera, these guys don't have a lot of depth. They just don't. Whereas other programs will have a roster of 115, 120 guys with really quality walk-ons. Then you develop some of those players that come on and play for you in their later years. Northwestern has a depth issue, and quality depth, I should say. So I know they've been dinged up. Uh, the quarterback that's going to play is a third or fourth team walk-on who started last week. Their O-line's been missing a couple guys each week. On defense, which has always been Coach Fitz's strong suit, they've been also injury-riddled at linebacker and DB. So uh, when you see Northwestern's rushing defense, a Pat Fitzgerald defense, giving up 194 yards a game, 13th in the league in terms of rush defense, that bodes well for who? The Illini and Chase Brown and company. So I think the Illini will be in, will be in good shape. I kind of feel bad for Northwestern only in the sense that they have challenges being in the Big Ten as it is. They've had success, but boy, it's fallen off the end of the table right now given the fact they haven't won since they played in Dublin, Ireland at the end of August. And here we are in November. But what does that mean? It means the Cats will be ready to play. I watched that game closely against uh, Purdue last week. They battled every play. They're going to come with emotion. They're going to come with energy. And, again, as you said, uh, it may not seem like a huge thing when Illini are trying to win the West. Northwestern is trying to win a game, that trophy, and have a little bit of in-state pride when it comes down to it. So I think they'll have motivation, and of course, so do the guys in orange and blue. Coach, it's always great to talk with you. It's just, This has been a great season of doing this, and uh, th- this is not it. Obviously, there's more season left here for Illinois and for college football, so we'll continue to go. But I do want to take a moment to say we're thankful for you and, and wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Well, that's very nice. I appreciate you guys very much. It's the highlight of my week. And uh, I wish you guys a great Thanksgiving, and I hope we have super games this weekend to enjoy. Thanks so much. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, coach. Nick Quartaro, former Big Ten coach in a variety of places and played at Iowa as well. And he joins us every week week for Coach Q and A. Illinois women's basketball is 5-0. and They beat Oakland last night getting ready for their Thanksgiving trip. We'll talk with Shauna Green, the head coach, in a moment. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Now at NewsGazette.com, Inside Illini Basketball, our weekly podcast about all things Illini. This week's special guest, the legend, Lauren Tate. We're continuing with Sports Talk, our only full show of the week. 
And we are pleased to have with us Shauna Green, Illinois women's head basketball coach. The Illini are 5-0. and They beat Oakland last night, headed to Daytona Beach this weekend to take on Charlotte and Delaware. And Coach joins us on the line. Shauna, thanks for your time, and congrats on another W. Oh, thank you, and thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Oh, well, we really appreciate it. Um, I'm wondering if uh, if you need a, a, a different test at some point, and I know it's going to come with the Big Ten, but these have been pretty lopsided games. Um, and so is, is there almost a point where like, hey, I need a tight late-game situation to get my <laughs> team in here? Yeah, no, I mean, it is. We're, you know, I, I told our team, you know, and a lot of the schedule is done when we got here, but I do think it, it fits kind of, you know, taking over a program and, and having a brand-new team. But every game, the competition gets better and better, and, and we're going to have two really tough games down in, in Florida and Charlotte. But actually, Charlotte and Delaware both were in, say, tournament teams last year. So uh, two really good tests on the road. We haven't been away from State Farm Center, so it's going to be – it's going to be two tough ones, and, and we need it. We need to, we need to you know, have a little bit of adversity and, and be tested and, and see how we respond. Do you see your team continuing to play with an edge while they're up bigger? You know, I think that's one good thing because it's hard. Like sometimes it's, it's really hard to continue to uh, – you'd think, oh, well, it's easy to blow someone out. No, it's not. And, and you know, to play – uh, really, really hard and, and really, really intense. When you're up twenty some, thirty points, you know. So I think that I think that it's taught us a lot. But you know, it's also we haven't been tested since our close scrimmage uh, in a tight situation game. So you know, we'll get that. We'll get that soon enough. Believe me, as as the schedule is, like I said, ramping up uh, really, really quickly. Talking with Shauna Green here on Sports Talk. Shauna, this is Evan, and, and as Scott pointed out here through the early season, haven't really been challenged and, and, and been really good uh, on both ends of the floor. How much has having two players who know your system and, and know the way you go about your business, how much has that helped to accelerate the process? I think they've been really, really critical parts to you know to how we're coming together as a team. And, and you know, I give Makaira uh, a lot of credit. She's really stepped up and, and been an unbelievable leader for us. And our kids really look to her. Um, and Bryn as well, playing one year under me. You know, she she understands what it takes and, and she understands the system. So I think that that's really important. And I told our team the other day, I really do not feel like this team, like we've only been together, you know, for six or seven months because and, and less with all the new guys because they've, in credit to them, they've really come together um, and, and we're a really tight group uh, it, pretty quickly. And, and shooting it over 40% from three so far, did, did you expect that? Uh, and is that something you're looking for going forward? Yeah, if we can keep that up, believe me, that's going to help <laughs> us a lot. And, and, you know, to tell you the truth, like, I didn't really know what to expect. You know, we shot it okay in practice, but how we're shooting it, how we're scoring, and I, I don't care who we're playing to be able to score, you know, 80-some, 90 points, I don't even know what we're averaging. Um, I think it's a testament to the, the ability of our kids and, and the scoring mindset that we have. You know, even some of our better teams while I was at Dayton, uh, we, didn't, we didn't score at that, you know, at that clip. So um, that, that excites me. That, you know, gives me a lot of hope. But, again, we got to – my main concern is defensively when we face, you know, some – some bigger teams and some more athletic teams, like how are we going to be able to guard them consistently? 
Jada Peebles is one of the holdovers and is, is a veteran presence now. You have her coming off the bench, but she's shooting really well from uh, three. Is she? How open is she getting, and, and what's led to her really consistent shooting here to start the season? You know, Jada's just uh, – I all of our guys that have stayed, and, and, you know, I just give them a ton of credit because from day one they bought into the system. They bought into us, you know, tightening up and changing some things on their footwork and their shots. And um, I just think that she's really thriving in our system. You know, we, we want to play fast. We want to, you know, let them, let them play free. And when she's open, I'm the first one telling her to shoot it. So she's also put the work in, and she's been in the gym. She's, you know, she's been consistent in, in her work ethic in terms of getting extra shots in. And, and I think that, you know, she's seeing the, the fruits of her labor. And, and, you know, we need her to continue to shoot like that. I mean, I love – uh, we probably have seven starters, right? Like we could mm-hmm. start multiple players, but I love having Jen and, and Jada coming off the bench because it's been instant offense and, and they're both shooting it uh, at a very, very high clip right now. And, and we need that to continue. And how about Kendall Bostic, who continues to be a, a rebound machine? Do you need her more on the offense? Um, or is it is she playing the role you need her to play right now? You know, I think she's she's just an elite rebounder, and and she continues every every game. I look down, and it's like, oh, she has ten again. She has eleven. Like she just finds a way to, you know, to get at least ten every game, and it's actually it's it's pretty amazing. Um, now we're trying to get her, you know, the ball more on the low block, and and to have her more as a scoring option because, like I said from day one, I told her, you know, she should be a double double kid, no doubt about it. So. Um, we need to get her the ball more, you know, even like last night, she only, she was three for three. She, she's shooting at very high, uh, high percentage right now. We got to get her the ball more and, and, you know, I'm running stuff for her and trying to get her as many touches as we can, because there's no doubt about it. She can, she can average a double, double. You, you've gotten to play a, a number of players on your roster, if not all of them, some minutes in all the games so far. But like you said, looks like seven of them or, or so are, are in that main rotation. Is that mm-hmm. a, about the size of rotation that you look for? Does it just depend on, on who you've got on the roster and, and, and who gets playing time? I think a lot of it depends on matchups, right? So these uh, non-conference games so far, a lot of them have played even four guards. So um, we're having to play smaller um, so our bigs aren't getting, you know, our true fives maybe aren't getting as many minutes, but we're going to need them. Come Big Ten play, like we're going to have to have, you know, some size in there. And, and Kendall, um, you know, may have to slide over to some four. She'll still play some fives, but, you know, maybe not for, you know, the 40-minute game. So uh, it, a lot of it is based off matchups. But, you know, the core group that's playing a lot of minutes right now are obviously going to be our main rotation um, but then I would I would definitely have our bigs. You know, they're going to be playing more once we see more size in the Big Ten. You'll hit the road for the first time this weekend, and uh, I'll I'll be glad to be joining you down there too for the call on your games against Charlotte and uh, and Delaware. So, what will be the key uh, things that you, you know besides just going through the mechanics of a road trip? You know, what did what are the big challenges this weekend? You know, I, they're like I said, they're both they're both really good programs and really good teams. So you know, Charlotte, we have up first, and they present a lot of different you know, uh, you know, things that we gotta we gotta really focus in on. They're they're athletic. They're gonna try to really you know get downhill on us. We really gotta be able to contain them. You know, identify you know a couple of their their key players and and really do a good job. Like we 
you know, you hear me talking about is our rebounding, and, and I think that that's something going forward into this weekend we we got to do at a high level um, that we've been kind of inconsistent with. So, uh, you know, again, every game is just going to get harder and harder for us, and I think it's going to be really, really good for us to, you know, to go on the road and, and have to play um, on a neutral floor, you know, prior to going into at Pitt next week, and then we go to Indiana um, with some really tough games. Well, Coach, we appreciate your time. Again, 5-0, and that hasn't happened around here in a few years, so uh, congratulations. I know things are going to start to ratchet up. We wish you well down in yep. Florida. No, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Shauna Green, happy Thanksgiving, too. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Yep. Thank you. Shauna Green uh, with us here on Sports Talk and 88.4 points per game, by the way. Not bad. Not bad. I know. Bad. I, I know. I know. I know. Like you said, the competition's going to get better, but they weren't doing that in the years past. And it's good to see the, the ball going the hole early, so maybe they can carry over later on at the end of the year. Back to get to our finisher after this. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Fighting Illini Volleyball regular season comes to an end. The Illini at Northwestern Friday night at 7. We'll have it on the radio right here on DWS Friday night. High school championships this weekend at Memorial Stadium. Illinois football coach Brett Bielma shouting them out. I know how special those moments are uh, for high school programs. Not just the programs, not just the players, right? The the administration, the coaches, the families, the community. There's so much awesomeness about IHSA football. I heard Fitz in his presser. He's got a son playing in the game, right? I can't. With two girls, I literally can't imagine that moment. Um, But who knows in the... In the world we're living in today, um, but uh, really excited for those families to come down here and experience champagne like we do. And is it the last time that champagne hosts the state championships in football? Um, I I just told Josh when it came, we want to do everything we could to keep them here. Um, We have a unique thing because of the Northwestern game. If they keep that, that, that'll, you know, that sequence going, it's can't have games here in a game that you're playing in, right? So uh, with the Thursday Thanksgiving, they don't want to play on Thanksgiving, which means you got to have Friday and Saturday available. So it's hard to set that up. Um, I even said, do we want to work with the Big Ten office? Do we want to work with Northwestern? Is there something we can work out so uh, you know we can kind of have more consistency if that's what they want to do? Because I don't think anybody wants to keep moving it around. Um, but uh, if we could play every state championship game here in Memorial Stadium, I think it does nothing but great things for us. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to put it anywhere but here or maybe Bloomington in my mind because of the vertical nature of the state. Mm-hmm. Just There was a day when you split it. There was a time when there was a, like, some were hosted up north and some were hosted down south. But seems like a good place to me, Memorial Stadium. Yeah, if it wasn't for the Big Ten expanding the, the schedule, as everybody did, and it's going to get expanded again as we expand the playoffs. But... Tough, tough to imagine if they do want to keep it in one spot, it being here in Champaign. But uh, always cool, you know, day after Thanksgiving, that Saturday, watching the high school games at Memorial Stadium. And it's a, a pretty cool recruiting tri- tip uh, to, to have, you know, the state championship series right there. Players can, can check out and see what, what they could have if they came to the university. All right. In our remaining seconds, Thanksgiving food draft. You get the first pick. You got to go mashed potatoes, right? You can have that. That's (laughs) your uh, Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan right there. I will take um, some cranberries. How are you going to call 
mashed potato Sam Bowie, and then you're you're gonna oh my gosh, uh, uh, I'm gonna take the turkey, you I'm know, taking the stuffing. Okay. No, I'm sorry. I'll take the rolls. All right. I'll have the green bean casserole. <laughs> I am winning this draft. <laughs> I am winning this rolls draft. Rolls and cranberries? That's not a meal. How old are you? Pumpkin pie. <laughs> <laughs> now we're jumping straight to dessert. Is there any protein in there? <laughs> I'm just going all for the home run hitters and the guys that can throw 100 miles an hour with no control. Um, pumpkin pie is like the, the only dessert, so you win. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody picked the turkey. <laughs> I thought I... Oh, I guess I didn't pick turkey. Fail. All right. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> WDWS, Champagne-Urbana.